surround her and fill her, Lord. Just give her peace. But I pray that your authority would be bestowed upon her, Lord, as she speaks. She would speak with your righteous authority. I pray our hearts would be soft and ready to listen, ready to hear your word, Father. And I pray all that you want us to hear will be spoken. Help us to focus now, Lord. So this is the part in the series that Tim and the, guy, the team have put together called Who Do You Say I Am? Judge. And I was always spending some time with the Lord over the last six to seven weeks thinking about this and praying about this and pondering this. I think that the Father is so kind and so gracious that what seems a huge topic and everyone in the room will have their own thoughts about judgment and about Jesus as judge, but I'm just bringing what he gave me to bring, and I'm saying what he gave me to say, and I know that he has some special gift for each heart, and I think as we're listening with our hearts, there'll be a different thing that he will drop in, so he's quite looking forward to the fact that he's got so many hearts that this morning he's gathered together on purpose so that something can be dropped in that will consolidate and confirm and affirm our relationship with him. So John 5, that was amazing reading. As Tom read it, it was the most fantastic, pivotal moment in history when Jesus said what he said. He was in, interacting with the Jewish leaders He'd previously interacted with the Pharisees because he'd healed a man whose hand was withered on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees sought to persecute him. A while later now, he heals a man on the Sabbath day who's crippled, and now the Jewish leaders are furious with him. And actually, they had the nerve to judge Jesus. If you look at verse 17 in the reading, it says, In his defense, Jesus said to them, in his defense. Now that is legal speak. So Jesus knew that these Jewish leaders had judged him. They had said, we do not like what you are doing. You have offended God. You should be punished. You should be persecuted. We are judging you. They didn't look at his heart motive of compassion, mercy, and love. They just judged his action and they found him wanting. I mean, can you imagine being there when the son of the living God is being judged for his actions by human beings. So he kindly, in his defense, <laughs> explains his actions. He says, I only do what the father is doing. The father is moved with compassion towards this man, so I am moved with compassion towards this man, and I'm healing him. They get more angry with him. So he then, I can imagine the father saying to him, it is time. Let us reveal on the earth this deep truth that has been there since before the foundation of the world and will last for all of eternity when Jesus says, all judgment has been given to me. He doesn't say, not you. 
he says, all judgment has been given to me. I say whether someone's heart motives are right or if they are wrong. It was the most amazing moment in the history of time because Jesus's words, he said himself, my words are spirit and they are truth. So when he spoke that out, the Holy Spirit empowered that and it became a reality in the hearts of those who listened. And it's a reality that has never changed. Once Jesus spoke it out on the earth, all of heaven heard, all of hell trembled. So he said to these people who judged him, all judgment has been given to me. All authority to judge, Jesus said, has been given to me because I am the son of man. He called himself the son of man because he was perfect, sinless humanity, totally sinless. And that qualifies Jesus to sit in judgment over mankind because he is without sin. Perfection. So he can comment on what our hearts are doing, not these people who dared to actually judge him. And what's also interesting in that pivotal moment in the whole of history is when he was speaking to the Jewish leaders and the Jewish leaders knew the history of the word, the judge. The word, the use of judgment has, been, has began way back in Genesis and actually goes through to Revelation. But the Jewish leaders listening to Jesus when he said, all judgments given to me, they knew their Old Testament they knew in Genesis 15, though they didn't call it Genesis 15, they knew that when God made his covenant with Abraham, God said to him as part of the covenant, I will judge the nation that your descendants serve as slaves and they will come out with great possessions. They will plunder that nation. So God said, I will judge the nation that makes your descendants serve as slaves. And he did judge the nation of Egypt because how they treated his people was wrong. You go forward to Exodus 18, Moses sits as judge over the people of Israel. His father-in-law comes to him and says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm judging everyone. People come to me when they have a dispute and I decide and tell them which is the right way to behave. And actually Moses as one man could not cope with judging every problem that came before him from all the people of Israel. So his father-in-law suggests putting other judges in place over the people. It says, actually, it says at the end of um, Exodus 18, they can handle everything, but the hard cases were brought to Moses. So the difficult cases that the other people judging over tens of thousands and hundreds of people couldn't manage, the hard ones were brought to Moses, and he brought them to the Lord, and the Lord then gave him instruction for these people. But it's interesting because one man could not judge the people of Israel. Moses could not manage it, and the Jewish leaders knew that. But it's interesting, as you go on through the Old Testament, it became known that God did not just judge the actions of a person. He actually judged the heart motives of a person. Everyone will be familiar with the verse in 1 Samuel 16, where Samuel is going to anoint David as king, and the Lord says to him, um, man, uh, the, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God was beginning to say to the people, I care about your heart and what your heart is doing, what your heart is 
and what motives are in your heart. These Jewish leaders who Jesus spoke to knew this. Then we've got in Proverbs 21, it says, The way of a man seems right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. The Lord weighs the heart. So we can see going through the Old Testament that this idea of judgment and God as judge wasn't just actions. He's saying it's the heart that I'm weighing. I remember, I think it was a couple of months ago, I was going to this gathering and I woke up in the morning and I said to the Lord, do you have a word of encouragement for this particular person who is leading this gathering? And straight into my head came, I visited him in the night. I have weighed his heart and nothing is lacking. Now it's a powerful scripture. I visited him in the night. I've weighed his heart and nothing is lacking. And I went to the gathering and I said to this person, I feel the Lord might be saying, he's visited you in the night. He's weighed your heart and he says he's found nothing lacking. And the way that prophecy works is it connects God's heart for a person with their heart and they come together and there's love and peace and rest and encouragement. And this person actually was concerned. He so wanted to have the right motives in his heart for the way he was behaving. He had spent some time making sure his heart was right with God before he came to the meeting. And how encouraging the Lord had visited him in the night and weighed his heart and found it lacked nothing. I thought that was the most beautiful encouragement. Because when God is judging the heart, he uses the language of weighing it. So he's saying, is this weight right? Does this feel right to me? Is this heart motive right? It's not just judging actions. As we look through the Old Testament, he's beginning to reveal, I judge the heart. So then we come to the New Testament, and we have Jesus, who perfectly manifests the will of the Father. That is who he is and what he does. Often through the Gospels, you'll see it written, Jesus, who knew what was in the heart of a man, Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, Jesus, knowing what was in their hearts, and he says in Luke, God knows your hearts. So Jesus, perfectly manifesting the will of the Father, is saying on the earth to people, God knows your heart. And so when he said to these Jewish leaders, all judgments being given to me, they knew he meant, I'm judging the heart. I have all authority to judge what's happening in your heart because it's the heart motives and intentions that lead to our actions. And God judge it. He said, I have all authority to judge. I perfectly carry out the will of the Father and I judge the motives and intentions of the heart. So when he actually said, all authority has been given to me to judge, these people who judged him for like healing a crippled man must have felt just so convicted if their hearts were soft they would have felt convicted because they hadn't bothered to look at Jesus's motives of his heart they just judged his actions and actually Jesus um, was so gracious there's no record of him actually berating them he's actually merciful to them in what he goes on to say but he has declared on the earth all judgment is given to me and we know that Jesus, as we read through the New Testament, he's then crucified, he's resurrected, he's ascended, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And when he is there, we know this from Hebrews 7, he is always living to intercede for us. So Jesus, from that point of ascension onwards, for the, 
until he comes back as the judge, his current ministry is intercession. Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, raised from the dead and ascended, is sitting, praying for us. I find that very encouraging. Because A, he only prays what the Father wants him to pray. B, if I think nobody's praying for me, I think, hang on, the Son of the living God is praying for me. Things are going to shift. And I'd like to line up with what he's praying for all my friends and all the people I know and my city and my nation. Terrifically encouraging thought that Jesus, the man, raised from the dead, his current ministry is intercession. It is not the judge. He will come on the earth as the judge, but he's not doing that at the moment. He is exercising mercy, because in this season of grace, mercy triumphs over judgment. So though he is the judge, he will not fulfill that ministry until he stands again on the earth, and we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So at the moment, he's interceding. So therefore, when he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. And the Holy Spirit is God on earth. He perfectly represents Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is God on earth. He's in our hearts. He's with us. He perfectly represents Jesus. So he judges our hearts. And he convicts our hearts. Why? So we can be ready and have short accounts with God for the day when God does come. When Jesus does come on the earth as the judge. And the Lord, I felt the Lord said to me, it, this is very encouraging because the Holy Spirit desires purity and holiness in our hearts because blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. We all want to see God. Here at St. Matt's, it's not a gathering. It's nice. It's great to care for one another and love one another, but we want to see God move in each other's lives. We want to see his kingdom manifest in the city and wherever we are, so blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So the Holy Spirit does judge and weigh our hearts, because he dwells within us, because he wants purity in our hearts. And if there's purity in our hearts, then there will be power, and then there will be kingdom fruit. And how does the Holy Spirit carry out Jesus' current act of judgment in the everyday, weighing our hearts, primarily through the word. So Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, dividing soul from spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So when we're reading the word of God, the word of God is examining us. And the Holy Spirit, through the word, examines our hearts. And as we're reading it, we can find ourselves thinking, oh, I do feel, yes, selfishness, unkindness, impatience, cold love, jealousy, discontentment, frustration, all of these things. But we know from the word that those are things that God doesn't want in our hearts. So as we read the word, we find out what God would like in our hearts. And when he weighs it and it's not there, the Holy Spirit niggles us. And we feel convicted, and then we have to act upon it. So, when we feel a niggle in our hearts, what do we do? It's all so practical. 
In my experience, number one, we agree with God's judgment of what he finds in our hearts. Yes, I often say, Lord, you know the truth, and you are right, that is impatience. Then confess our sin. And then we are instantly cleansed, just like that. It is instant. And then purity comes in, and power can flow through us. So this judgment of our hearts is a really beautiful thing because it is quick once we've agreed with how God perceives what we have done and said he it's dealt with very very quickly because the word says 1 John 1 verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just he forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness so when we agree with him yes I am impatient about this yes I haven't forgiven that person when we agree and we say, I confess that sin, he's faithful and just and always forgives it because Jesus made provision on the cross. There's no question. And then he purifies our guilty conscience. So it's as though the blood in reality of Jesus covers the guilty conscience so we don't have any shame or remembrance of what we had done wrong. It's a most amazing thing. I hadn't realized that verse came in two parts for about 10 years ago, totally transformed if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins dealt with under the blood of Jesus forgotten as far as God is concerned and he purifies us so and the conscience you don't need to carry any guilt or shame when something is confessed before God it's dealt with instantly so we want to keep short accounts with him we want to as the Holy Spirit convicts us in the day we want to deal with it there and then if things are too busy which is what happens before we go to bed at night, Father, is there anything that has grieved you? Holy Spirit, would you show me anything? Just anything. And he never condemns us. He doesn't even show us actually all the things that were bad. <laughs> I found he just shows a few because it'd be too much. But um, he, and then why? So we can instantly have that purity. A couple of weeks ago, I took our younger daughter to ballet and before leaving, Gordon and I have had this conversation about a situation about somebody and something. And I said something very strongly about this particular thing. Got in the car, take Beth to um, ballet in Southdown. And then 45 minutes to myself, I go into the co-op in Southdown. Anyone ever been in the co-op in Southdown? This is not a healing story this time, but anyway, I was kind to somebody. So I'm in the co-op in Southdown and I was so angry. I could feel it. I was so cross about this situation. And I'm walking down, I get my basket, and I'm going along the fruit and veg, and I kind of grumpily picked up, I think it was a cucumber and some tomatoes. Yes, that was the thing. And I'm still going down to the corner, and the bread's in the corner. So I get to the bread, and I'm still cross. And I just said, Lord, I'm cross. Nothing. Go around the corner to the dairy bit, because I was looking for milk, and into my heart instantly the scripture, in your anger, do not sin. He said, in your anger, do not sin. And I stood there by the chilled dessert and I said yes Lord I said I agree with you what I said about that person was completely unacceptable it was a judgment on them and I'm not to judge because you're the judge so I confess my sins I was doing it under my breath in the co-op nobody was in the aisle just like to point that out I may have been on CCTV but I have my back to it so I'm going father I confess my sin of impatience in this situation unrighteous anger, frustration. <laughs> I'm confessing my sin, but you're faithful and just. You forgive me my sin. 
I thank you. I just pray the blood of Jesus over my guilty conscience that I can be free from this. And I instantly felt so much better because I dealt with it there and then. Purity of heart was restored. I carried on down. There's greetings cards on the left. There's tinned goods on the right of the aisle. And when I got to the self-checkout, I said to the person who was behind me, you only have a packet of crisps and a Mars bar. Why don't you go in front? I need not to go in front. Grace personified. There you are. I forget. I was thinking, oh, thank goodness. So I pay for my bits and bobs, get in the car, phone Gordon, say, I'm really sorry, love, how I spoke about the person was wrong. I should not have said that. He, of course, kindness has ever personified my husband. That's absolutely fine. Do you think? Anyway, we had a little chat about it. It was all done. I go and pick Beth up from Valley, transformed woman. There I am in the car. I'm now a person of peace in the car. And the people of peace are what the city needs. I felt the Lord say, Bath needs people of peace. And he said, when you have peace in your hearts, you are the most powerful and you are the richest people in this city. Because peace with God means we have complete freedom to have no guilt, no shame, and therefore we are people of purity and people of power. And people of peace are the ones that change a room. If you are in work, you're in any situation, you're in a doctor's surgery, you're in the workplace, you're in the queue, you're anywhere, you're in the home, the people of peace change the atmosphere. And the people of peace are the ones that have the Prince of Peace dwelling in them, and they're the ones that have peace with the Father. Therefore, we welcome God judging our hearts. We welcome the Holy Spirit checking out our motives. We welcome it because then we have short accounts with God. So when Jesus stops his ministry of grace and intercession and comes on the earth as the judge, as much as we have done, we have had covered by the blood of Jesus. And as he judges us as believers, he will judge the unbelievers, their heart motives and intents. And we do not know how he perceives them. We can't judge any other person's heart motives and intents. I've been married for nearly 20 years. I could not say with hand on heart, I do not know my husband's motives in his heart 24-7. I mean, basically with him, they are motivated by compassion and kindness. But I don't know. None of us know the other person's true motives. God does. So therefore, we cannot judge another person's motives. We can't. I often say to myself, Julie, there's one more thing about that person that if you knew it, you would know why they behave like that. But you don't know it, so you don't know why they behave like that. So your job, like Jesus, is to release mercy to the person and understanding in their situation. A wise friend of mine reminded me this week of that um, saying, you know, don't ju- you can't judge a man till he's, you've walked a mile in his moccasins. That until you've walked somebody else's life, you don't know why they do what they do and how they do it. And in Corinthians, um, we're reminded, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and he will expose the motives of the heart. He does it. And we're grateful in the kingdom that we can have this ongoing cleansing forgiveness And that actually compels us to want to share the gospel with people who are not in the kingdom, that they too can receive his favor, his mercy, and his blessing for when he does come on the earth as the judge.
And I think it can be terrifically hard when other people have hurt us to forgive them. It's very hard. And here at St. Matt's, in family, you know, if somebody, a little child's trying to do their shoelaces up, you don't leave them. Mum and Dad will say, let me help you tie your shoelaces. As you get older, you can't do your chemistry homework. Um, let me help you, my favorite response, if they need help with that. But we help. And in the family here, if we're struggling to forgive someone and there's unforgiveness in our hearts and we are sent feeling the Holy Spirit saying, please, would you release that? Because unforgiveness poisons you. It doesn't poison the other person. It damages you. I will judge them, Jesus says, and their heart motives. That's for me to deal with. But as far as your heart goes, in family, we can come alongside each other and help the other person to forgive. We can be someone who releases the Holy Spirit to enable someone who's finding it really hard to let go of something so that their heart can be pure. I'm so grateful for people, some in this room and some not, who when I've had a, a situation I just can't, so cross about, they come alongside and they say, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, Julie, to forgive that person. And I think there's nothing more beautiful than coming along together before the mercy seat of God with your brother, with your sister, and saying, Father, this is your beloved child. They really want to forgive. They need your strength to do it because you've weighed their hearts and found unforgiveness in it. And they know that and they are agreeing with you. So there's such a power that comes in to enable you to forgive and release the other person so you are free because God will judge that person's heart motives and he'll weigh them and he'll say whether they're lacking or not because he is the son of man and has all authority to judge we are not so I think I felt the Lord said this is an encouraging thing it's an encouragement and I didn't know we were taking communion this morning but communion is a chance for us to go with 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just because of what happened on the cross. And he will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us. So purity of heart is restored. Power can be released. And we are people of peace who can go around the city knowing there's peace with God. And actually, we're very infectious when we have peace. I was in Krispy Kreme Donuts with Beth the other day jabbing on about something and this guy said in front I don't you don't nobody here works in Krispy Kreme it might be you but he just said you are a very charismatic person to me and I said oh that's very kind thank you so much but I thought yeah I'm actually so excited because between the opticians and here in my spirit I'd said to God I'm really sorry you're right I've got had an attitude in there that was wrong and I dealt with it between Vision Express and Krispy Kreme and <laughs> which isn't very far is it but I'm, this isn't, I'm not the greatest person to get their heart cleansed. I've just learned over 28 years in the kingdom, the quicker you agree with God's diagnosis of your heart, the better it is for you. Because um, he has all the power and empowerment and capacity to bring you freedom. So that is when we say, who do you say I am? And Jesus says, I am the judge. We think, yes, Father, your son Jesus will come and judge on the earth but at the moment Jesus is interceding mercy is triumphing over judgment the Holy Spirit who is one altogether like Jesus he is judging and weighing our hearts so the people of God can be pure 
and have power and peace. So let's just pray about that, and then I think we're going to go into communion. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we are beloved people. Father, we ask that you'd release your Holy Spirit into this room, into every heart. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. You are God on the earth. We thank you, Jesus, that you are interceding for us. You're showing us mercy. You're praying for each one of us, and everything that bothers us is right before you, and you are praying for us. But Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and weigh our hearts now. In the quietness, you weigh our hearts, and you find so much good. You find people of such kind intent, people who love you and serve you. You find people who in their hearts say, I know I'm a child of God. You find and weigh and find so much faithfulness in this room. You find so much strength to endure a trial. You weigh our hearts and you find so much of the people of joy who change a room. And as you're weighing, there might be just one or two things, Holy Spirit, that you would like to, um, a motive or an intention or an attitude that you would like us to release this morning in the light of all the good things you find in our hearts when you weigh them. So, Father, as we just think maybe of that one attitude or that one situation, we thank you, Father, that if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just, and you will forgive each one in this room their sin and their heart attitude that displeases you. And you purify us from all unrighteousness. And we are the people of freedom again. Lord, we pray this week you'd help us to keep short accounts with you, Father. Help us to welcome the weighing of our hearts, knowing that you find so much good in our hearts when you weigh it. So much good, but we want to be a people of holiness and purity. And we thank you for your presence among us. And we thank you as we take communion, it confirms that we belong to you and all provision is made for our forgiveness and our cleansing. In Jesus' name.